Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market. Happy Thanksgiving, North Texas food fans, and welcome to Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News. Each week we dish on the local restaurant scene, food and drink trends, cooking and shopping tips, and unpack everything that makes North Texas one of the most vibrant, diverse, and ambitious food scenes in the country. I'm your host, food editor Aaron Bookie, and today we're celebrating Thanksgiving. It's often called the Super Bowl of food. We're going to talk about our favorite turkey day dishes that may not even involve turkey, plus family traditions, recipes that went wrong, and more. It all gets started right after this. Central Market is really into food, like fish flown in so fresh it still has jet lag into food. Our sourdough starter has been around since grunge was a thing into food. We're talking more prime cuts than a greatest hits album into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then we're the HQ for you. Whether you're a make-every-recipe-in-the-cookbook foodie or a my-favorite-recipe-is-reheat type who just digs the delectable, no place makes every day more delicious like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. Be sure to go to dallasnews.com slash food after this for lots of great Thanksgiving recipes and other stories. You can also share your holiday thoughts and recipes with us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. Later on, we'll be visiting with Dallas restaurant consultant and former Dallas Morning News restaurant critic Leslie Brenner. She'll share her holiday memories as well as the story of how she and her colleagues developed the dry brine turkey recipe many years ago. Right now, I'm joined by food writer Sarah Blaskovich, our producer Julie Fisk, and very special guest Rangers insider Evan Grant. Happy Thanksgiving to you guys. Hi. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It's so great to have you back on, Evan. I've, I've missed hearing your food stories and hearing your voice, so I'm glad you're here. Well, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm, I, I know we we're going to talk Thanksgiving, but I'm still celebrating my first attempt at cooking, uh, not cooking, but making gravlocks this morning. So I'm very happy about that. But let's talk turkey. Wait, wait, back to that. You can share those locks with the food team. That would be a very good breakfast the week of Thanksgiving as these journalists get ready to take a few days off. I, I'm proud to share it. it. It actually came out pretty good. It's not as salty as your typical locks, but it was a good first attempt. Evan, I told you that next time you need to make bagels, which is like the worst thing. You know, I feel like someone's like, I did this awesome thing. And then it's like, well, cool. What about that next awesome thing that goes with the thing? I'm, I'm scared to make bagels. Wolanski makes bagels. Um, you, you should be scared to make bagels. That seems very hard. I know that there'll be a, a giant failure, but I think I'm going to try. But the Gravlox came out good, so I'm, I'm really pumped right now. So talking about Thanksgiving, I just wanted to tell you guys happy Thanksgiving and that I'm really grateful, actually, for all of you and this podcast. It's been really fun doing this since we launched it in March. And I know it's a lot of work, but it's something I look forward to like every week. So anyway, happy Thanksgiving to you guys. And I'm grateful for you. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> and so let's talk about this year and what you guys are making. So we have a weird Thanksgiving here. You know, we are a blended family. So the kids... We don't want them to be over turkeyed, so we do <laughs> Thanksgiving on a separate day. And because our daughter Natalie is working in retail, we can't do Friday because it's Black Friday. So we are doing Thanksgiving on Saturday this year, and we've got our extended family. My dear friend Nancy is going to be in town, a former food writer as well. So we're going to try and impress her with our food. We're still working on the menu. But we've got some. We've got to incorporate some vegetarian options. We've also got a potential gluten-free issue with somebody, and so that creates some complications every year. But as long as there is stuffing and gravy and green bean casserole, I'm pretty happy. 
and we won't do the version that I grew up on, which was green beans out of a can and French fried onions from Durkee's and cream of mushroom soup. Uh, my wife has taken to like making fresh green bean casserole every year. That's something I really look forward to. The other new tradition, I don't know if it's a tradition, but we started this last year. It's just the weirdest thing in the world. So I went to Clayton Kershaw's charity event at the Rustic last year, and they had um, like a jalapeno spoon bread that they served at this event. And I was like, let's try and do this for Thanksgiving. So we did it and I loved it. I could not stop eating it. I, I ate it for like three days afterwards. If anything, that's our new tradition. I love that. I'm going to have to get that recipe for the jalapeno spoon bread. It is amazing, right? That you can find like copycat recipes for anything on the planet now. Like I like Maggiano salad dressing. So I Googled Maggiano salad dressing and there's a copycat for it. We had the salad at Cafe R&D, the Pine Room salad that's got a little different dressing. We Googled that and there's a copycat for it. And there's a copycat for everything. That's a great point, Evan. I feel like we should do a whole um, episode on copycat recipes. We should definitely do a copycat recipe episode because mm -hmm. uh, like Raisin Cane's cane sauce has hit the internet. This is not new, of course, but you know, it used to be sort of a secret recipe situation. Now you can make it at home. And Evan, I also love that you brought up the blended family and also people who are working on Thanksgiving and or Black Friday. Like, I feel like Thanksgiving has really gotten to that, like in incorporating the different dietary needs. Thanksgiving is almost different every year now because things change. And so Sarah, what about you? What are you doing? I'm not hosting this year, but I love to host. I have a family where we all want to host family full of people who just want to have people over and eat and drink all day. So this year, my Aunt Jane is hosting because she just remodeled her kitchen. And my Aunt Jane makes a totally not traditional Thanksgiving dish that everyone goes crazy for. She makes an olive tampanade. So my Uncle Ken, uh, his family is Greek, and she started making this tampanade for him like when they met however many dozens of years ago. Then she started making it for my family. My husband loves olives and salty snacks like that, as do all of his family members. And so Aunt Jane makes it at every family event. And then she makes these little to-go containers for each family to take home olive tapenade. It is just tons and tons of olives with some olive oil and feta cheese and maybe some spices, kind of pulverized a little bit, but still a little bit chunky. And then you eat it with wheat thins. So every Thanksgiving and Christmas starts with that, which is odd, but important to us. Now, I haven't decided what I'm making this year, which is hilarious, because every single holiday, I sort of panic. And then I cook something that takes six hours. My husband always does something like a gourmet version of something normal. And so this year, he's in charge of the green bean casserole. But he, like Evan, is going to do a little bit of a zhuzhed up green bean casserole. We have a couple of dietary restrictions. My mom is gluten free. My brother is vegetarian and had been vegan for most of his life. We also have children ages one, two, and six that come to all the family events. For a while, we had many family members who were exclusively Whole30. So welcome to the creative food situation in our house. But a lot of people, you know, set aside the Whole30 thing for a holiday, but we just generally have healthy eaters. So there's usually a fair amount of vegetables. And then I bring some sort of creation that has come from, you know, a too long recipe and we all enjoy it. And then we're like, okay, I'm not making that again. So I'm the Thanksgiving and Christmas person who loves the traditional things, makes something gourmet traditional, but then does 
doesn't want to do it next time. So I'm I at 37 years old have yet to be known for anything because I panic and then I I go way too up and overboard. That's awesome though, but you get to like experiment and do your thing and try something new. Yeah. I'll also add that I don't care about turkey much. I love a Greenberg smoked turkey, and that is what we had done in our home when we're hosting. Uh, My Uncle Ken this year is doing turkey and ham, so usually the host home figures out the proteins. And I'll eat turkey or ham maybe, but this is a day all about the sides for me. And if there was no turkey, I wouldn't notice. It's funny because Natalie has gone completely vegetarian. Well, she's a pescatarian, so she's eating fish. Yeah. But traditional Thanksgiving sides are important to her. She won't eat turkey, but she said my two absolute, you know, gotta haves are green bean casserole and stuffing. And so she loves the traditional foods, even if she doesn't partake in the um, in the protein so much. I remember, and Julie, you can probably relate to this with a college-aged kid, but I remember when I was in college and in the years after college, the traditions of my family were all of a sudden really important to me. It's like when you leave your home and then when you come back, mom and dad have to do certain things. And of course, Aunt Jane is going to make her olive tapenade. And of course, she's going to make the pies. And Evan, I think that's probably what Natalie is doing is being a young adult who is is clinging to the things that she loves. And when you're in college and you're away from home, you don't eat any of that stuff and you probably don't even make it with your friends. Uh, You know, I realized how special those family traditions were once I left the family. Julie, what are your family traditions and what what does your daughter have to have when she's home from college? Well, this is our first time to have Emma home from school since she's a freshman at UT. So we're picking her up from Austin tomorrow and I'm so excited. Honestly, she doesn't get a say in anything. She's also pescatarian. So she always just eats the veggies anyhow. But my entire family, my Chicago family, my mother-in-law, sister-in-law, all the babies, the brother-in-law, they're all coming down, which means that my mother-in-law and my husband will take over in the kitchen and I will cook nothing, which I'm totally fine with because they're, they're both excellent cooks My husband makes this um, sausage cornbread uh, stuffing that is like, if I was on my deathbed, it would be the last thing I ate. It's amazing. I do have to say, though, in defense of old school green bean casserole, if I tried to zhuzh it up and put anything other than the dirty onions on the table, I would get in trouble. And that is normally one of my dishes because it's very difficult to screw up. I have one GBC thought that we're, I think we're going to try this year. And I know, Aaron, I've told you about this. HEB has a cream of poblano soup. They also have a cream of jalapeno. Let me just put on the record that I like a cream of something canned thing. I had nothing wrong with that in the right casserole. And I think a cream of poblano in a GBC would be like out of this world. And then you could still use your fresh mushrooms. So I'm not going to step on my husband's recipe because he's the one who's doing this. But I have gently suggested that we use this canned good. And I shall say, if you're interested in it, it is only at HEB and not at Central Market. All right. I will keep that in mind. I will say this. my Natalie is 20. She's going to be 23 in December. And This child is more fearless in the kitchen and has inspired me to like take more chances than I ever thought I would. Really, what I've seen is the younger generation behind us is like far more adventurous than I ever was. And it's been fun to follow, just like to watch her whip things up and and be really creative. Of course, last week when she came over for dinner, I tried to make a whipped feta dip. And I might have whipped the feta a little bit too much. We basically have a big thing of feta queso in the refrigerator right now. <laughs> it doesn't sound like too huge of a fail, Evan, as as far as fails go. And I love this topic. Let's get into this. What what Thanksgiving fails 
can the group share? All right. So I'll, I will give you this one thing because this is, I don't even consider this a fail in terms of the quality of the food. But as I mentioned, my dear friend, Nancy, who used to be the food writer here in town, uh, will be coming in for Thanksgiving. I used to spend Thanksgiving with her family every year. And for those of you who know Nancy Nichols, she's a little bit kooky, to say the least. But she initiated a pie competition for the family every year. So you had to make some kind of dessert. Well, the family dessert that I brought was a pavlova because my uncle used to make pavlova for Passover because it was a kosher for Passover dessert. And so I was going to incorporate my family into their family. Well, I brought it. It was beautiful. It it takes some work to put that together, that meringue and everything. It, It takes a little bit of time. I put it together and nobody wanted anything to do with it. And my heart was just broken. So I don't know if that's a fail. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> it's a sad, sad story. <laughs> it is very sad. Sarah, what have your fails been? I have a really good fail story. It's actually my mom's fail, but we tell it every year. My mom was deciding that she wanted to make the beginning of the meal a little more exciting. And she loves putting together a relish tray and she sets out like all kinds of snacky stuff, which is really a great thing that a host does because we wait a long time to eat. And when you finally sit down to eat, I think everyone is starving. So my mom does a good job of handling that. She decided she was going to just toast like a variety of nuts and then they were going to be warm in a bowl. My mom was busy that day. Of course, she had a house full of people. So she puts the nuts in and had, I don't know, like cinnamon and something on them and forgot about them. And we're all talking and drinking and hanging out. And all of a sudden, the house starts smelling like something is happening. And my my mom was in the other room. And none of us were paying attention to what could be in the oven. And my mom comes running through the house yelling without realizing what she's saying. My nuts are burning. Over and over and over, she is running through the house, like hair ostensibly on fire. And uh, we are all dying laughing so much, we can't even take the nuts out for her. So she pulls the nuts out. They, in fact, her nuts have burned. And uh, they're totally black. And nobody had hot spiced nuts that year. So we've never had them since. But every single year, we remind her of my nuts are burning. I could see how my nuts are burning would become a family um, slogan. That it's good. probably should be on a t-shirt at some point in time. <laughs> Yeah, and cinnamon can go bad like really fast too. So Evan, I like that you brought up your daughter and um, how the younger generation seems to be like bucking tradition quite a bit. Like I've always been a non-traditionalist and I feel like the first time that I made a stuffed pumpkin with sausage and gruyere and bread and I told people about it, they were immediately like, oh my God, you are not doing a turkey how dare you? You know, it just like offended them and they weren't even invited to my house. So are you a non-traditional Thanksgiving person, Erin? Yeah, I try to mix things up like every year. And just real talk for a sec, like my family, when I grew up, some of the traditions and the holidays are not great memories. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people, you know, have that same experience. So The same way that food memories can bring back warm and fuzzies for people, like sometimes they can have the exact opposite effect. Um, So there are some things that I do not want anywhere near my house, you know, like cinnamon apples. Nope. There was a cinnamon apple incident when I was little and that ruined the whole holiday. So we're not going to have those. We also had like, um, and I know it's very popular, but like oyster stuffing. It was disgusting to me, like trying to eat stuffing and then there's the slimy oyster like hidden in there. I've never had that. 
Yeah, I think it's like a southern thing. Some of my family comes from Louisiana, so it was always a deal to like find the oysters. And I'm like, you know, you really could just go without the oysters, <laughs> you know, put something else in there. What a quick and easy way to ruin stuffing for kids. Totally. Yeah. It's like one of the few things that they'll eat, but it's like, here, we're going to hide something slimy in here just to mess with you. <laughs> yes, that's what it felt like. So Aaron, what do you do to reinvent the holiday? And, and try to turn it into something special for you and your husband and your son. Yeah. So my whole adult life, I've wanted to just try to create my own holiday. When we bought our first house and we're, we're married, we just kind of did our own thing. Um, but now that I have a child, I'm like really thinking about it a lot. Like what kind of memories he's going to have and what kind of traditions can we do? So every year I'm like, oh man, what can we do? But I really like to mix it up. Like our tradition is basically just mixing things up. It's like the chaos model of things. So, you know, like the first year I did a non-traditional, the stuffed pumpkin. I think one year I did also buco in the Instant Pot. Wow. And it was really delicious. Then last year I did actually a whole Mediterranean inspired spread. Like I did chicken leg quarters with warm spices and preserved lemon. And then I did like a couscous salad with a lot of fresh herbs. But one thing that we started last year that my son did ask for this year is Oreo pie. So it's very not traditional dessert, but my son is obsessed with Oreos. And we found a recipe. It's basically called cookies and cream pie. But that will be on our table again this year. That sounds delicious. I think I'm actually going to do sort of a retro vintage inspired Thanksgiving this year. I was I was a little bit inspired by Claire's project on the retro recipes. And then our podcast last week where Trisha Cunningham of the North Texas Food Bank gave us her recipe for the pineapple cheese casserole, which seemed very retro to me and used a lot of canned goods. So I'm going to make that fun. And I think I'm going to do a ham with maybe a cornbread dressing and then maybe like a sweet potato pie. Mm. And Oreo pie. Plus the Oreo pie, of course. I did have a question about that pineapple casserole because I know that you took it to the Dallas Morning News Thanksgiving potluck. I mean, it must have been a success if you're going to repeat it for Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was really delicious, I thought, and so easy. And people ate it like it was all gone when I went to go get my my dish. I did love the potluck this year, and I, I suppose I would have because I helped put the committee together to feed several hundred people in our newsroom. But it is so neat to see what other people make. You know, even just talking about our Thanksgiving traditions on this podcast is special. But to to have more than a hundred dishes brought by people and it's stuff it's stuff that matters to them. Like it's the thing they make best that they brought to our company, or it's it's grandma's recipe, you know, or it's Aunt Jane's top knot. It's uh, I was just thrilled to see what people presented, you know, as their top Thanksgiving dish because there's such variety. Like your pineapple casserole, Aaron was was shocking and cool. We had really good red beans and rice. Claire made stuffing that was delicious. I made a wacko mac and cheese that I found on the internet. There's one dish at the potluck that I am going to try to make. Uh, comes from Lana Ferguson, one of our news reporters, and it's a no-bake turtle cheesecake. And it has cream cheese and Cool Whip, brown sugar, powdered sugar, chocolate chips, caramel chips, and pecans. Me and our, our six-year-old are just going to whip this thing up. There's not a lot of steps, I don't think. And um, that was a favorite that, Aaron. I don't know if you got a slice. It went fast. Oh, man, I didn't. Now I'm bummed. I need the recipe, though, for sure. You might need to post that because I want it as well. Did Evan bring anything? I did not this year. Um, I, I was not there. I'm never in the office. I'm also 
I'm very happy to share with my family. I'm incredibly embarrassed to cook for strangers because I just feel like I'm a big giant failure. However, I will consider this year if we do another chili cook-off i will consider bringing my chili and i feel like we probably need to do an entire episode on the great chili debate oh sure absolutely speaking of chili i did want to ask you guys what do you do with your turkey leftovers because sarah you mentioned something recently that i was like i want to make that yes we have a big time with the leftovers first of all my dad makes breakfast that's kind of the thing he used to do on the weekends. And so the day after Thanksgiving, he would make turkey enchiladas like mm-hmm. around breakfast time and we just kind of eat them all day. So you take your turkey, shred it up a little bit, put it in a bunch of tortillas. And what we do is a slather of cream cheese inside the tortilla and then a little bit of salsa in there. It was 20 years ago, so it was pace picante at the time, but now we know we can do better. But like a red salsa, cream cheese and pieces of turkey and you just roll them all up, put a little bit of sauce on top and then bake it all. And it is just so delicious. They're good for a couple of days. And my husband took that idea. Chase is a really good cook. And now he just turns it up a little bit. So like one year he made a homemade tomatillo green salsa and put that all over the top. So there's a lot of different places you can take that. But turkey in a tortilla with a little bit of cream cheese and something spicy really works. Okay, so this brings up an important question and a debate that I have with my husband every single year. We go and make like delicious leftovers with it, but then those sit in the fridge for a few days. How long is it safe to actually eat the turkey? So I went and looked some things up so I wouldn't say anything wrong. The safety, food safety powers that be say leftovers can be kept in the refrigerator for three to four days. Monday is your last day. After that, bacteria will start to grow and also it's probably just going to taste a little funky. So Monday is like your drop dead day um, to eat the leftovers. Cyber Monday. I don't ever buy anything on that day. So now I'm just going to know Cyber Monday is the day to throw out the turkey. Cyber Monday, clean out the fridge. We should tweet about that from DMN Food. We should be like, hey, just a little tip for our friends. It's Monday. Yeah. No more turkey. Although most people are like, ah, screw you. I'm going to eat my leftovers as long as I want. And it's like, okay, well, you do you. Yeah, that's that's not a hill we're going to die on, is arguing with strangers on Twitter about whether they should throw away their leftovers. That's something they can do on the, their own. Yes, we're just trying to be helpful. Strangers know my husband literally will stand in the kitchen and like eat it from the bowl and like be laughing at me as I tell him it's been expired for three days at least by now. That visual, Julie, <laughs> though, of someone standing in the kitchen and eating leftovers is so real. Yeah. That is, yeah. We everyone in my family probably does that several times in the days after Thanksgiving. It's like you're standing there in your worst sweatpants and you've got a spoon in your hand and you're like, what can I get into without microwaving it? Thanks, guys. We also chatted with food writer Nick Rallo about his favorite Thanksgiving foods. He loves fried turkey and, of course, the leftover sandwich. Here's more from Nick. The Thanksgiving leftover sandwich is one of my favorite things in the world. So I love the idea of cooking a Thanksgiving meal that's really just spending an entire day prepping the ingredients for a perfect sandwich that everything you put out for Thanksgiving is possible sandwich topping material to me. You know, we, uh, we always do sauerkraut with our Thanksgiving meal, just, just cause we like it. I don't know if there was a tradition there it just got added to our mix. And that is always key for leftover sandwich. Uh, I did a cranberry sauce with bourbon and jalapeno Ooh. instead of, you know, the can, <laughs> the can slop, which I have respect for. And you were thinking ahead to your sandwich. Exactly. It's all it's all really just sandwich prep. 
Because a leftover sandwich is one of life's great treasures. So what all do you put on your Thanksgiving leftover sandwich? Yeah, that's an important question because you got you have to have good mayo, leftover stuffing or dressing, cranberry sauce. That's the base, right? Then you start to get, you can customize it with like fried onions or sauerkraut. And what do you use like for your bread? Just any bread that's around? I like a marble rye. Mm. <laughs> If that's possible, but a good mustard and a good mayo helps a bunch. When I say good, I mean like, you know, get Duke's right. mayo and maybe like the black garlic mustard that Native Ferments does, the East Dallas Pickling Company. Yeah. I like to keep that on hand at all times. And that's good with this. You can even do the the leftover Brussels sprout shavings on, on the sandwich. You got to, you know, balance the salty, creamy, sweet with you know, some acid and stuff. That's why that sandwich is perfect to me because it's got all the components. Yeah, and some crunchy. Yeah, saucy, crunchy, creamy sandwich. I mean, come on, that's the best thing. And that's why Thanksgiving exists to me, (laughs) just to make a sandwich. (laughs) Thank you, Nick. We also talked to our contributing writer and local food historian, Dia Barry Mitchell. Here's more from Dia. Thanksgiving for us growing up was my mother's favorite holiday, which I've heard is pretty popular for a lot of African-American communities. So now I'm curious about why that is. As far as the foods that were on our tables, we had the the regular foods, right? Like the turkeys. But then we also had, you know, someone might bring barbecue, like some sort of a, a roast dish, or we could have chicken and all of this stuff in addition to the turkey. And then, of course, it's Thanksgiving. So no Thanksgiving would be the same if we didn't have like a thousand and one different side dishes. Sweet potatoes, as you know, I'm a lover of the sweet potato. But then we also have greens, uh, mashed potatoes. Like there are a number of different side dishes on the table that I get so excited about. I know right now you're getting ready for a Friendsgiving. Friendsgivings, they are great. Typically when you have a lot of solo folks or single people, um, and sometimes not single, but for the most part, that's kind of what brings us together is that we are each other's chosen family and we have that opportunity to celebrate together. And so um, I think the first time I did it, I lived in Houston and I threw a Friendsgiving with some friends of mine there and it was great. And that was actually probably the first time I started cooking by myself. And now uh, this is my first year going to one again. So I'm excited. It's going to be about 10 of us and I am doing the turkey. I have a great recipe that a girlfriend of mine shared with me and it involves champagne and butter. So I'm I'm all in. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. I've never heard of one with champagne and butter. Yeah. So I'll tell you, it's supposed to be pretty easy. You slather on the butter, your choice of seasonings, and then you bake it in a paper bag for as long as the turkey is supposed to be on there per pound. And then when you take it out, you like pour on more butter and then you pour champagne over it. Yeah, it's supposed to be pretty superb. Actually, no, I messed that up. You're supposed to put the champagne in before it goes in. Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. I'll let you know. So if there's one one dish that is your favorite to cook yeah. for Thanksgiving, what would that be? Ooh. Actually, it's probably, and this is going to sound so cliche, But, you know, I wrote that book and in it I had original recipes. One of the things that I've started cooking recently a lot, usually every year, is the bourbon sweet potatoes. I love it because, you know, people, they send me photos. It's pretty popular. So I'm actually making it this year as well. 
So what about desserts? Oh, you know what? I am not really a big sweets person. If I were to eat dessert, though, when I go home to Sherman, my cousin makes the most amazing pound cake. Um, She actually used to have a restaurant and she was known for her pound cakes. I want to say what the name is, but I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say it. Oh, you can say it. Uh, So it's called Big Booty Pound Cake. (laughs) I knew you weren't ready for that. I thought you were just asking like if you could name a brand or something. (laughs) It's literally called Big Booty Pound Cake. Oh my God. Yeah. Awesome. She's known for them. My cousin Audrey, if she's listening, shout out. Um, But that's my favorite of all time. It's just a regular pound cake. It's just full of butter and goodness. And it's so good. (laughs) Thank you, Dia. Stay with us. Coming up next, we'll be chatting with Dallas restaurant consultant, Leslie Brenner. Central Market is really into food. Like when we say cheese, it's in 12 languages into food. Butchers, bakers, and sushi roll makers into food. We're talking so obsessive about quality, you can shop blindfolded into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then let us turn your shopping list into a treasure map. Get inspired, get adventurous, or just get a chef-made dinner when you've got more taste buds than time. No place makes every meal more amazing like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. Now it's time to really dive into turkey. Current Dallas restaurant consultant and former Dallas Morning News restaurant critic Leslie Brenner has worked in the food industry for decades. She currently runs a cooking website, Cooks Without Borders, and she recently told us the story of the dry brine turkey recipe and how she helped Russ Parsons develop the technique when they worked together at the Los Angeles Times. You know, it's kind of, as you know, a cliche in the food editing game, like, oh my God, Thanksgiving is rolling around. What are we going to do that's that's different than last year? And, and it's, you know, it becomes a nightmare after, even after like two years, like, oh, what are we going to do now? And so one year, you know, I was really thinking about the bird. You know, people had been brining their turkeys for a long time, and I had never really been a fan of that. And I was just like thinking about the Zuni Cafe chicken, you know, the chicken that made Zuni Cafe in San Francisco so famous, which the chef Judy Rogers had kind of immortalized in the Zuni Cafe cookbook. I loved that recipe. And I knew that our lead cooking columnist, Russ Parsons, loved the recipe. We called it the Judy Bird. One day I said to Russ, what would happen if we did the Judy Bird treatment to the Thanksgiving turkey? And he went, oh, Oh my God. And he went home and started testing recipes and we invented dry brining the tur- the Thanksgiving turkey. We did like nine tests to really, you know, perfect it and then came up with what we both felt was just like the most amazing innovation to the most traditional part of Thanksgiving ever. And today it's like a thing that tons of people do. That is so cool. And so what exactly is the dry brine? Like to people who haven't tried this before? It couldn't be simpler. Basically three days before you're going to roast. So three days before Thanksgiving, you dry it really, really well. You rub salt all over the turkey, sprinkle a little salt inside the cavity, seal it in a big plastic bag, stick it on a, you know, a sheet pan in the fridge and forget about it. You turn it over maybe once a day. And then all of the salt gets absorbed into the skin. Six hours before you roast, you take it out of the plastic bag and let it air dry in the fridge. And then you roast it. I do one flip. It's super simple. Um, I have a really clear, easy recipe on Cooks Without Borders. But it results in the most moist, evenly cooked. I mean, it, it largely solves that problem of the white meat being dried out and makes it all like 
super crisp skinned succulent meat that is just incredible. Most people I know who have tried it never go back. Thank you so much, Leslie. Find her excellent recipes and more on Leslie's website at cookswithoutborders.com. And that's all the time we have for Eat Drink DFW this week. Thank you all for joining. We also want to hear from you, so share your food thoughts, favorite restaurants, or tasty recipes with us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. The show is produced by Julie Fisk. To stay up to date on every episode of this show and hear more from our newsroom, just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please rate the show and give us a good review. Find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com slash listen. You'll also find a special membership offer there just for listeners. For the news, I'm Erin Bookie. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Eat, Drink, DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market.